football, <laughs> baseball, <laughs> basketball, anything sports. Auburn's 91.1 FM WEGL presents the scoreboard with your co-hosts, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcomed at 334-844-9345 or follow them on Twitter at Jacob underscore Hillman 3 or at Bay underscore Marks. Now, let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome to the School Board here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Thank you for joining today's podcast version of the show. I'm Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside my co-host Jacob Hillman. No live show this week, but that does not stop us from bringing you all the great scoreboard content you seek out every week. So, Jacob, before we get started, how are you today? I'm doing well. Sad that it's the last episode of the semester and of 2020, but hey, that means when we come back, we're done with 2020. This crazy year will be over, but excited to get started today. Yeah, unfortunately, we weren't able to do a live show today due to uh, Weagle's responsibilities with calling university athletic events. So that was what's going to be on Weagle today live at 5 p.m. for the broadcast. So tune into that. Um, But yeah, like you said, that this semester, it's been crazy this year in general as well. Um, We've made it work through a national and worldly pandemic, me and you, with this radio show that we've been continuing for a few years. So going to finish it off strong one last time in 2020, and we will see everybody on the other side in 2021. A lot going on in the sports world here as of late. We are going to get to as much of it as we can today on today's show. We have the NBA draft with Isaac Okoro going number five overall. Different things going around in the NBA with the uh, free agency starting tomorrow afternoon, as well as Auburn returns from their COVID isolation with a few positive cases, and they will face off against Tennessee. Uh, Other things around the college football world, Trevor Lawrence is back, different Heisman leaders as of now. And then finally to wrap up the show, we'll finish off with some NFL talk uh, for this week, and we will give our analysis there. So to start things off, like I was mentioning last night, the NBA draft, two rounds of basketball picks, and the number five overall pick coming from the Plains, Isaac Okoro. Uh, we'll start out with him, just what he's meant to this program. Uh, what were your thoughts about that, Jacob? It's just so exciting that he was able to go top five. I think a lot of people except, expected him to be in the 7 to 12 range around there. I thought he was going to go to the Wizards at 9, but the Cavaliers thought highly enough of him that they were going to take him in the top five. And I really think that he's – I'm not sure if it's necessarily the best fit in the world for him, but he will play well in Cleveland. Yeah, and I think a big thing to point out as well is just the fact that Auburn now kind of has been known for this pipeline of shooting forwards and power forwards coming through the last several years. Um, Had Chumo Kiki last year. He got drafted uh, 16th overall in the 2019 draft. And now you have Isaac Okoro, who just got drafted 5th overall. And Auburn also has one of the top recruits in the country, the number 5 recruit in the country, uh, Javari Smith, who's a power forward as well, coming in. So you can kind of see a little bit of a trend coming from uh, the Georgia area down here in the south where Bruce is kind of bringing in and developing these forwards. Um, but the reason why Isaac was such a highly touted lottery pick last night was not only for his defensive ability, but we really saw his uh, inside power offense. He wasn't really the best shooter in the world, but he was a strong finisher at the rim. Last year at Auburn in his freshman year, he averaged 12.9 points a game with a little over four rebounds, almost one steal every game, and averaged almost a block every game. Uh, and he finished 10th in Division One freshman, and his field goal percentage was, was a little over 51%. So I think his defense is what is really going to carry Cleveland. Something else that I think some John Austin tweeted about it is that he has the highest floor probably of the NBA draft. I think we know that he's going to come in immediately and be a great player, and chances of him being a bust or not panning out are very slim. I think his ceiling is high as well because of his potential to become a great shooter because, like you said, 
He wasn't the best shooter in the world, but he was serviceable at Auburn, and I think he can turn. He can go from being serviceable to being a threat from beyond three-point range, which is very important in today's NBA because we all see the stretch fives. We all see these athletic big men, and he's not a big man, but he, he in his position, he needs to be a good enough shooter to where he's respected and he's able to really make things happen on the offensive end. Yeah, and something else, I mean, if you look at his ability, 6'6", 225, and I think the two biggest comparisons, and I don't think there's going to be any argument with this of um, who he kind of looks like in today's NBA, the two guys would be Andre Iguodala as well as Kawhi Leonard, not only for their size and their looks, but the fact that those two gentlemen also round their game around their defensive ability, and then the offense kind of comes after. We've seen Kawhi Leonard came out of San Diego State and developed that uh, shooting game, that more offensive side of his game. Uh, and I think that's really what they're hoping happens with Isaac Okoro, that he can really round out the offensive side, because I think that can make him nearly unstoppable. I think Okoro's offensive game is better than Kawhi's was coming out of college. Ka- Kawhi was just so athletic and was such a hard worker coming out of college that it was impossible not to take him, even though his offensive game wasn't quite there. Whereas Okoro, comparably, he's the same way, a hard worker, and he's got all the talent in the world. But his offense is just a little bit better. His defense is probably not quite what Kawhi's is just because Kawhi's is so good. But those things are going to balance out. And I think that Okoro will end up being a great offensive player. He um he really is going to be one of those guys. I mean, you mentioned, you heard him say it last night when, once he got drafted. They asked him about um, his expectations or whatever. And he just talked about how eager and excited he was, not just to play in the NBA, but he straight up looked at the – uh, interviewer said, I'm ready to guard the best player on every team. I think he really embraces that challenge. He's a that hard-working guy, real blue-collar when it comes to his work ethic in basketball. He played all positions on the floor except for the one. Bruce mentioned that he could play the two through five just of the way he got to guard people. And he was also called a Facenior. We mentioned it on the show plenty of times. That's just a testament to his knowledge um, of the game. So I think his transition in the NBA is going to be just as smooth as anybody else's. It's just going to be real interesting interesting to see uh, how those professional coaches really help him develop that shooting game. Yeah, and I, I really think that the Cavaliers, him with Colin Sexton, will be fun to watch, as well as playing with Kevin Love. You know, the Cavaliers haven't been one of the best teams in the NBA in recent years. I, The reason I'm not as excited about him going there is just because I, I just don't know what Cleveland's going to be able to do in the next few years. Now, of course, Okoro could come in and turn them into something great, but I don't think he can do that as a one-man show. He's he's not that kind of player. But if Cleveland figures things out and starts to build some pieces around him or other players step up, then you never know. Yeah. And something else, since I'll say one last thing and then we'll move on to the rest of the draft. Like I said earlier, especially out of these top five guys, I know there's plenty of talent within those top five picks. I think out of those top five that he is probably one of the most ready to go ahead and transition into the NBA. But um, like I was mentioning, we'll go ahead and we can just talk about a few of these picks before we move on into some other stuff. Um, Timberwolves draft overall, number one pick, Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. Auburn did face him twice this year. Didn't really do a lot in Auburn Arena as Alan Flanagan plus Isaac Okoro kind of shut him down on the planes. Um, Then in Athens, he did have a great game against Auburn. They ended up winning that contest. But He's known for his high offensive uh, game. He uh, ranked first in the NCAA freshman category last year for points per game. So the Timberwolves definitely need that help on offense, and I think they're going to get that with him. The Timberwolves have been 
worse than the Cavaliers yeah, honestly, been very in the last bad. several years. So Anthony Edwards is going to be the help that he needs. Let's talk about the the quotes that were coming out. Like right before the draft came out about him saying, "I don't even like basketball. I don't even watch basketball. The only reason he plays it is because he learned he could dunk." So he said, "Hey, this is the best chance I have at going far and something." Still got drafted number one. He overall. still does. I, there might maybe we're reading too much into it, but I just thought interesting quotes in yeah, my opinion. That is interesting for sure. But I do think that he is probably he's probably a hard worker and yeah. he's gonna come in. He's gonna be a good player now. The Timberwolves, it's similar to the Cavs, we'll see how they can build around him and really take the next step. Something else I want to point out. Second overall, the Warriors, who had been to the finals five straight seasons, I believe, um, missed the playoffs last year with their superstar player, Steph Curry, out as well as Clay Thompson. They get the second overall pick, and last night they draft a big man, which was something they desperately needed. They draft the seven foot one James Wiseman out of Memphis, who played... Uh, just a handful of games before his season came uh, to an end. He opted out of the rest of the season. There were allegations going on with him and the Memphis program and, and the coaching staff. But we won't get into that. Um, I think this is somebody who has a high ceiling as well. They were saying that he had a, has a big comparison to not only DeAndre Jordan, um, but to a taller and stronger uh, Bam Adebayo. Yeah, I agree with that. And he's a little bit taller than Bam Adebayo is because he's taller and he's He's much more built. 7'1", 240 pounds compared to Adebayo's probably 6'11", barely 200 pounds. So it's one of those things where because of that, I think he can be much more dominant in the paint. Not that Adebayo isn't, but just Wiseman can really work. And he, he's athletic too. It's mm-hmm. it's not like he's just a big bully. He knows how to move his feet and get past defenders. Right. One, one thing too as well is we also saw the last ball brother be drafted last night. LaMelo Ball. The youngest out of the three is brother Lonzo in the NBA. Uh, one of the one of the bright young stars in the NBA, I would say, at the point guard position. Uh, he gets drafted last night after playing overseas in Lithuania and as well as Australia the past several years. Um, he goes three overall to the Hornets, where they desperately need some scoring offense. He's been known for his shooting ability and passing the ball. Um, so I think that's definitely a great draft by by Michael Jordan and the head office over there. Um, I really think that the Hornets might benefit from this. I'm, I'm not sure what his ceiling is. Um, but I think he has a lot of potential to live up to. Honestly, I think his ceiling might be the highest in the draft just because we don't know a lot about him. We, yeah. we didn't see him in college. We only saw him play professionally overseas. But he does have a chance to be one of the better players in this draft. Six, seven point guard? I mean, that's nuts. Sounds like uh, Magic Johnson. Yeah, exactly. And I think he has that passing ability as well. So we'll see what his scoring ability is like. Of course, we know all of his videos from high school where he's shooting half-court shots, right. pulling up from half-court. But it'll be interesting because, you know, he was 25% from three in his career. So it's something that he needs to improve. And, hey, who knows? Maybe we'll see the one-on-one matchup between LeVar Ball and Michael Jordan in Stop. Charlotte. Stop. <laughs> We're well, not doing that. No. I want to see it. That'd be fun to well, watch. Well, I didn't even know that LeVar played NFL football until last night, so... He played for your Carolina Panthers. So. Yeah, he uh, he he was he had a decent athletic career, but not not anything to boast about. Not anything to boast about, and to ch- and give reason to challenge Michael right. Jordan to a one-on-one game. Well, real quick before we move on, because we do have a lot to talk about. One thing I just want to point out real quick that I thought was interesting with the top ten picks last night was the Knicks drafting Obi Toppin. Um, I know they have Knox there from 
um, a few years ago. They're trying to make sure he pans out as well. But I really like Obi Toppin as a player, and I just wanted to say I really do think that he's going to continue to be a great offensive threat in the NBA. And I think that the Knicks had to draft him because when he drops that far and the way the Knicks have drafted in recent years, not very good. Right. You kind of have to do that. I think it would have been fun to see. I mean, I don't, I don't really know, but thinking like guys like Jared Harper are there now, and I think that he's going to have a chance. You know, just making this an Auburn connection, I think he's going to have a chance to play next year. They didn't draft anyone that's going to compete with him. So seeing him and seeing Obi Toppin come in, I think that the Knicks are going to have a chance to improve soon. I don't. I think they're still far away. They're one of the worst franchises in sports currently, but we'll see how. Obi Toppin and the Knicks pan out. Well, let's go ahead and move on to Tennessee at Auburn in college football. I really think that this game is going to be interesting because Auburn going off a two-week break. I'm not. I'm. I'm confident. I think Auburn's going to blow Tennessee out. Tennessee in their last four games has scored less points than they did in their first two games. It's not something that a team likes to do. It's. It, it's going to be. I mean, I, I don't know. It's a game where I think the offense could see a step back from LSU, and a lot of that has to do with how good they played against LSU. But the offensive line, it was gelling together so well, and then two weeks off, including half a week where they weren't even practicing. And who knows who was COVID positive and who had was contact tracing. So we don't even know who didn't practice. And if that was any offensive lineman, that's a big concern for me. It's not enough of a concern for me to be concerned about Tennessee, but it's something that moving forward, it might have an effect. I think I think Auburn wins this game. The spread is set at 10.5 in favor of the Tigers. I say that's that's probably about accurate. I say Auburn wins this one between 10 to 14 points. I don't think Auburn – I think I'm on the same stream as you. Auburn does get their third victory in a row, but I don't think the offense carries over as much from LSU as we think it will, just because remember what happened the last time Jeremy Pruitt came to Jordan-Hare Stadium two years ago and the offense was pretty much non-existent. Now, I know that's because Auburn had a non-existent O-line and a non-established running back in Booby Whitlow or uh, Cam Martin. Um, but point being, the last time Tennessee played Auburn, it was a yet again mediocre team against another mediocre team, which it didn't turn out too hot for Auburn in their offense. So, I think Auburn does win. The The COVID cases do scare me with who will be out because we obviously don't know who that's going to be yet. We'll figure out Saturday because there will be just a few players out. Um, but I do think Auburn wins this game. I think the big thing to look out for is just if not only Bo Nix can continue to do what he was doing in the LSU game, but if the pass rush of Tennessee does get to him, if he continues to be calm in the pocket like he did, like he did look like on Halloween afternoon. Yeah, and you know I, I do think Auburn's going to blow Tennessee. I, I think it'll be more than that 14-point that you predict I think it'll be 20 to 30 points to be honest I think that Tennessee is bad enough to where Auburn can overcome the the big break or any COVID positives that are out you know as long as it's not you know if you're missing a bunch of stars then that changes everything but we're not like you said we're not going to find out until Saturday when those players just aren't in the game but I I do think that Tennessee is just they are struggling right now they don't even know who their quarterback's going to be that could matter. I don't think it's gonna matter that much though, because Auburn's pass rush has also really been it's getting better, ramping up. Yeah, and they're finally getting pressure on the quarterback. The secondary is stepping up as well. Nehemiah Pritchett, Jalen Simpson, even Christian Tut stepping up a good bit. So seeing that is encouraging because 
when you don't know what quarterback you're going against, it, it makes game planning difficult. Now, of course, like I said, these quarterbacks, not going to sugarcoat it. They've been awful Yeah, for Tennessee. So it shouldn't be too much of a factor. But I do think that it might take a quarter to adjust and they might have success on the first two drives for Tennessee. I think something else, this isn't really a huge deal, but something else to look out for is just how much Auburn utilizes Seth Williams. In the past two games, they, they haven't really gone to him a whole lot just because the rest of their offense has been working a lot more efficiently, so they haven't had to rely on him as much. Um, Ole Miss, he had, a, he had a few good catches, obviously the game winner. And then LSU, he had a few catches a few weeks ago as well. But haven't really utilized him as much. That's also due to the ground game getting running as well as Eli Stove emerging back as well as Anthony Schwartz. So uh, look out to see if they use Seth Williams Saturday. I think that could be a big key to victory. Um, so score prediction, I think Auburn wins this game 27 to 15, 14 or 15, like somewhere around there. I'm going to like Auburn 42, Tennessee 10. I mean, I'd rather have that outcome. Yeah, to that, be completely honest. No, a little more. I think on the extra point earlier this week, I said that Auburn will win like fifty-six to ten. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll it. I'm, I'm gonna roll it back a little bit. I'm gonna roll it back. That was, yeah, that, was that was a bit of emotional. I think the defense is gonna be fine. This since the offense is just horrendous. But I do think that the offensive line is gonna take a step back just with the two weeks off. I, we don't know who is COVID positive, so I'm I'm going with the expectation that without practicing at all for half a week and then just not being able to play a game for two weeks that it's gonna we're, we're not gonna go in with high expectations right we'll go ahead and move on we'll move out of the uh auburn game we'll look around the college football world huge matchup saturday morning at 11 a.m on fox the number nine windiana hoosiers travel to the horseshoe to travel and visit number three ohio state in their home stadium at 11 a.m what do you see for this game well here's something that was not emotional it's upset season indiana's one of okay. this game Indiana is winning this game. I trust them. Tom Allen is winning Coach of the Year this week with a big win over Ohio State. So are you saying that the matchup predictor favoring Ohio State by 90% is wrong? Yes. 20 and a half points. I don't care what FBI says. You know how they do the live you know, win probability, and it's always at 99.9% against the and Falcons, and then drops. it drops because it doesn't matter. I don't follow the analytics, Bay. The- this is all about heart, and Indiana is winning this game. So... I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and just say that doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, whoa, watch out. Ohio State, I think, wins this game at home. Indiana hasn't beaten a team yet this year that has a winning record. You know, that's I think that's all I kind of have to say. That's fair. Plus the fact that Justin Fields is only going to be in his fourth game of the year. He's only played three games. He's already probably the second highest favored player for the Heisman so far behind Kyle Trask, which a good game against Indiana could definitely put him in front of him. Um Point being, though, I just think Ohio State, they've they've looked really good. Now, they've both beaten two of the same teams. They've both beaten Rutgers and Penn State. It took overtime to beat Penn State for Indiana. Um, didn't look that way for Ohio State. They beat them on the road by a touchdown. Um, and Rutgers isn't really super impressive this year either. But point being, I just think Ohio State in general just is more talented. I, Indiana might have more heart. Now, look, Justin Fields does concern me, Bay. So well, like that doesn't so Heisman favorite doesn't concern you. Oh, he does. That's what I said. He does concern. Oh, least he but, did not. But he doesn't have the heart that Indiana does, and that's not a knock on Justin Fields. That's just you're right. What's about Indiana? You're right. These Hoosiers, look out. I'm still all in on the playoff with Indiana, BYU, Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, and Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm all in on it. Hell, I'm I'm leaving out Liberty too. <laughs> well, if as long as Malik Willis and Hugh Freeze are there, I'll believe in them too. Um, they can beat a 15. 
Real quick, I just want to ask you one quick question before we keep moving on. Trevor Lawrence will be back this week for the mighty Clemson Tigers. They suffered their first regular season loss in a long time against Notre Dame uh, recently. They lost in double overtime to the number four ranked uh, Notre Dame team. Did, how much did they went on the road against Florida State in an 11 a.m. game with Trevor Lawrence back? So we'll look at the line. Clemson minus 35 and a half. I say they cover. I think they barely covered. 38-point victory. I think they win, like, like 49-10. Like, like I'm pretty Auburn win. I think him being back just gives them a boost of confidence. They, they're, yeah, they're absolutely going to be fired up to play with him again because right. it's been so long, and the last time they were out with them without him, they lost. Right. So, Well, moving on. LSU at Arkansas, not a highly touted game, but Sam Pittman's going to be back this week, who is also up for SEC Coach of the Year despite only being 3-4. and four. I mean, Honestly, he has my vote. But it's at Arkansas. Tom Allen. He could win it. <laughs> Who wins this game? Whenever Indi- like I said, whenever Indiana wins. Then- when oh, Indiana sorry, makes Sam. the playoff, that's when he'll win it. Fair Until enough. then. Uh, LSU's favored by two and a half in this game. Who do we have winning? Well, I think, start off with the interesting thing. Last year, LSU was favored by 42 or 43 points this year. And now they're only favored two by and two and a half. Yes. I think someone said this is the, the largest spread differential between two teams in a single year difference. So that's... That's interesting, but as much as I trust Arkansas and really like the heart that they're playing with, I'm I'm gonna go with LSU. I still think that I still think they're talented. The quarterback situation concerns me, all the COVID numbers, but I, I do think that LSU will get the victory just because you know it, it's it's LSU, and even though they're playing at Arkansas, I think that they'll come in. Their defense will hold together. I th- I'm going to go opposite of you. Um, I just think Arkansas, they had a great game against Florida last week. I mean, compared to how a lot of other teams are going to do, they had a great game against Florida. Um, I don't know. I just really see LSU being just this up-and-down team so far this year. And Arkansas, despite being 3-4, and four, has played pretty steadily so far the whole year. They should have beat Auburn, and Auburn blew LSU out. Um, not going to use the transitive property, but if I am, then by <laughs> theory, Arkansas should blow LSU out. But not making that prediction, I'd say Arkansas wins by 10 points at home. Uh, it's an 11 a.m. game. I really think the Razorbacks are right on the brink of being a really good SEC West team. Um, I really like Arkansas in this game, so I'll take the Razorbacks. I, I think that too. I mean, Arkansas in a few years, if Sam Pittman really, really gets the recruiting back on track because Bilma and Chad Morris kind of knocked them off that path when they were head coaches at Arkansas. So if Sam Pittman can change that trend, then I do think that we could see more of the 2009, the Bobby Petrino Arkansas yes. team, I think we could see more of. So, moving on. We talked about it earlier. We'll talk about it now. Cincinnati, not to be confused with Windiana, goes on the road, the number seven team in the nation, at UCF. UCF, do they get the upset? Well, this is another one where, you know, the matchup predictor, I don't care about. Because UCF is favored by its 56.7% chance to win. I don't care about that. Cincinnati's a six-point favorite, and they're going to cover that spread. Cincinnati is the team to beat this year in the power in the group of five i'm really i was really tempted to pick ucf but i'm gonna stick with cincinnati till they lose i mean their defense is insane that's they, what i was gonna say they average less than 13 points a game not to mention the offense is crazy ucf has a great offense as well uh dylan gabriel's had a great season for them as well uh they average 44 points a game i just really like cincinnati this year even if it is on the road at 230 on espn uh, I'm going to pick them till they lose. I just think there's something special about them. And I do think that playing on the road against UCF is difficult. It's not the same as usual because I know how crazy that, that stadium can get sometimes. It's literally called the bounce house. But without there being 
with the COVID protocols and a full stadium or no full stadium, I don't give UCF a chance. Top 20 matchup in the Big Ten on ABC. Number 10, Wisconsin. Travels on the road to a surprise at number 19, Northwestern, who's had a solid year so far this year, 4-0. The Badgers had to sit out a little bit due to COVID, but it didn't seem to affect them against a very weak Michigan team in the big house last week. <laughs> Who wins this game? Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz yes. wins this game. I do think the Northwestern is a decent team this year. I mean, they've looked solid against a few teams they played. Now, of course, this is this goes back to Indiana. They're playing teams that are, uh, Maryland looked good. Now, here's the thing. Maryland's looked good the last several weeks. You know, they didn't play against Ohio State because of COVID, but they beat Maryland 43-3, and Talia Tungavailoa has played really well for them. Now, of course, Iowa, Nebraska, Purdue. Nebraska, no. Iowa's probably the best competition they've played this year, being being that on the road. And Purdue, they got Rondell Moore. So when you beat a team like that, then I'm going to have a little bit of faith in you, but – not enough to beat Graham Mertz in Wisconsin. Yeah, I agree. I think Wisconsin, they just look really good this year, and another team with a stout defense. This will be a very low-scoring game, um, despite Wisconsin having such a powerful offense this year. I think that this game doesn't go above one of the teams scoring 24 or 25 points. The over-under is 44, so yeah, 24-20 sounds like about the right score. Wisconsin wins by less than 7.5. I don't think they cover, but I think they do win, and they move to 3-0. Moving on. We'll go ahead and talk about this game as well. Oklahoma State travels to Oklahoma, and... It's Bedlam. It is, and I think that this is going to be probably one of the more under-the-radar matchups this weekend. Now, it is a top-20 matchup between two rivals, but I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to it. What do you see happening in this game? I think people should be paying attention to it because Oklahoma State is probably the last team in the Big 12 that has a chance of making the playoff, unless I think Iowa State is technically first in the standings yeah they are but they're five and two that loss Arkansas State's gonna kick them out of the playoff Oklahoma State only a seven point loss to Texas which doesn't look pretty this year but if they can come in and dominate Oklahoma on the road and really stop Spencer Rattler who has been so up and down this year yes you need to make sure he has his down game this this game and and win by a lot they're underdogs by seven points and they're only a 25.9% chance to win. I think their defense gets it done for him. I really do. I think Spencer Rattler is going to – he's not going to know what hits him because this Oklahoma State defense is one of the better ones in the country. I'm, I'm going to go opposite of you. I think that this game is one of those games that we come across a few times a season where, well, if this game was to be played in the opposite stadium, I'd pick that team. I think this is kind of going to favor Oklahoma since it is going to be a home game for them. Uh, I have the Sooners winning. Spencer Rattler, like you said – He's had an up-and-down year. He kind of just flings the ball out in any kind of direction he'd like. Uh, he's already thrown for over 2,000 yards this year and almost 20 touchdowns, which is kind of insane in only seven games. Um, so I'm going to pick Rattler and the Sooners. I think they get it done at home. Uh, I think this will be a tight contest all the way through a, high, a typical high-scoring Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma Big 12 game. Um, but give me the Sooners at home. I like the home team. O- Oklahoma is trending up. 62 and 62 points in their last two games. And it's Texas Tech and Kansas, but still, scoring that many points – after just being down the whole year, it's still impressive. And one last game that we'll pick before we move on to the NFL segment of today's podcast, number 21 Liberty, who has kind of just been America's team this year, travels on the road to an ACC opponent and quarterback U of NC State. Does the Wolfpack finally give Liberty and the Flames their first loss of the year? Yeah, it's difficult for me uh, because I do I do like what Liberty's doing this year, especially with Auburn transfer Malik Willis balling out. But I do think NC State gets it done. I do think that, you know, looking at the games they played, 
they've been pretty impressive. Other than that UNC loss, I that that's that's sore, but I, I do think that they're going to get it done against Liberty. I, I just don't think Liberty has a talent to play against this ACC opponent. This is another team that I'm just going to pick until they lose. Um, mm-hmm. I think what makes this game interesting is the fact that NC State, their defense is kind of non-existent. They average letting up over yeah. 450 yards a game, while Malik Willis and his squad average nearly 500 yards a game. So I don't think defense will be a factor in this game again. I think Liberty and NC State are dueling it out back and forth, especially in the second half. It's going to come down to some late fourth quarter coaching and strategy, and I think that's where Hugh Freeze really thrives is within that strategic portion of the game. So... I'm going to pick Liberty to go on the road and beat this ACC team. Do we think that NC State blocks a field goal that didn't count in return for a touchdown to win like Virginia Tech did? It's possible. I mean, I, I'm not putting it in the, I won't put the it possibilities. Them. Well, that's it for the college football portion of today's podcast. We will go ahead and move forward into the NFL portion of today's podcast. So, last segment. Got some interesting games so far this weekend, but we will start with none other than tonight's Thursday night football game on Fox at 720 a rematch from just a few weeks ago, Arizona traveling to Seattle, the home of the 12th man in the NFL. Uh, recently, they did play in Arizona when Arizona caught the upset um, after a questionable coaching call by Cliff Kingsbury that nearly cost them the game with an overtime field goal attempt. Who do you think wins this game? I think the Seahawks bounce back. I think that the Arizona Cardinals are kind of riding a high off of the Hail Murray on Sunday. I Hail mean, Murray. Hail Murray. That yes. was a great play on words. It's not just an accent. It's the name. <laughs> Murray. I thought you. I thought your Southern came out and you were saying no, Hail no, no, Murray. No, no. That, that is what it is being tabbed as, the Hail Murray. From Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. That that play was insane. I was I didn't get to see it live. I was broadcasting the Auburn Baseball Fall World Series, and I get off. I see everyone freaking out on Twitter, and I see it play, and I see why. But I think they're kind of riding a high. this game was on Sunday, I would give Arizona much more of a chance. But Seattle needs to win. They've been playing terrible the last several weeks. So I think that Russell Wilson is going to lead his team uh, to a big win against a team they already lost to this year. I think Seattle wins at home. Um, I think that the message from Pete Carroll pregame is going to be, remember these guys and how they beat you a few weeks ago? It's like now you have a chance to return and give them a taste of their medicine and just beat them into the ground. Um, and like you said, I think Arizona might be riding that high and might not be focusing as much on the Seahawks. Um but Kyler Murray is the first player with a pass touchdown and rush touchdown in five straight games for Arizona. So um, I, I think Seattle wins this game. I really do. Moving on. Some other interesting matchups this weekend. In your division, we have a NFC South matchup with New Orleans hosting Atlanta. We don't have Daniel from Helena calling in, so we can't get his take <laughs> this week. But I think I know where he'd be going with this game. Who are you going with this game with an injured Drew Brees? You know, I'm actually going to pick the Falcons. I am as well. Because I think... The Saints are going to – it's going to take a week or two for Jameis to get acclimated. I don't see Drew Brees coming back before the playoffs, honestly. Right. Now, with the injury, he's having the severity of it. They can't take any chances. And they're in a good position to still make the playoffs as long as Jameis adjusts within two or three weeks. And I also think it's the most Falcons thing to do. They're going to do really well at the end of the season just so they bump themselves out of the top ten and they they didn't even tank. Right. They looked terrible at the beginning of the season and they're still not going to tank. So – I'm picking the Falcons just because it's the most Falcons thing to do. I picked the Falcons as well. I think the Drew Brees injury is going to be huge for them. I don't think they're going to be able to rely on Alvin Kamara as well as Jameis that much because Jameis throws more interceptions than he does touchdowns. <laughs> but I'll pick Atlanta on the road. Pretty plain and simple. Drew Brees is out, and Atlanta's kind of trending upward. So um, Skipped over a game. Cleveland hosting Philadelphia. Um, I think this is going to be closer than a lot of people think as well. Um, I'm picking Cleveland. Yeah, I'm picking Cleveland too, but you're right. I do think it will be close. I think that 
The Eagles are they're also kind of in the same position as the Seahawks. They really need to win because, I mean, they were sitting here, they were sitting in perfect position in their division to cruise with the playoffs. You know, not like they were good, but still with the rest of their division being so bad that they were ready to go. But then the Giants beat them by 10 last weekend. And I think they're in a desperate position to win so that they don't give any of the other teams in their division hope. But I still think the Browns are going to come out and win. I think that Baker and the company will are starting to get on a roll after that win against the Texans. Yeah, I completely agree. And apparently the weather's still going to be crappy like it was last weekend. <laughs> well, I, I, what do you expect from Cleveland? Exactly. It's, it's Cleveland. But... Cleveland wins at home. It's, again, plain and simple. Um, Philadelphia is a very desperate team, like Jacob said just now. Um, and I really think that the Browns kind of started off maybe a little more sluggish than they predicted. And they've, again, another team that's been trending upward. They look kind of solid right now. Um, I'll pick Cleveland at home. I think it's going to be a real close game, but I like the Browns. So moving on, the Washington football team, real quick, going to host Cincinnati in a toilet bowl matchup. Does... Does Joe? The more interesting thing to ask for this game: Does Joe Burrow make up any ground in this game on Justin Herbert in the Rookie of the Year race? I think he could because, and you know, not to spoil anything, I'm picking the Jets to get their first win this week against okay. Justin Herbert. Okay, but I, I do think so. I think that Joe Burrow gets a win this week, and I think it's gonna be a close game. I mean, Washington in his favor by a point and a half, but I do think that Joe Burrow is gonna play a great game and drive the Bengals to victory. I think Joe Burrow wins as well, uh, just because I think Cincinnati's just a. I think Cincinnati's really a good O line and a good secondary away from being a really good team. Um, I like them on the road. Washington again. Uh, Alex Smith had a crazy week last week in his first start since his horrific leg injury. Had a an insane game and they still lost to Detroit, yeah. which kind of sucked like morally because you really wanted you know like him to win, but. Um, I think Alex Smith still has a great game, but like I said, I just think Cincinnati's just a slight bit more talented than Washington. So, Bengals on the road. Next up is your team hosting the Detroit Lions. I think I know where you're going with this game. Lions. Okay. Matthew Stafford. The Panthers have finally realized what their objective this is this year, and that's to tank. I know that you've been you've been teeter tottering back and forth listen, between listen, tanking and not. Listen, I'm going back to what I originally said. They should have been taking all along. But, you know, when they started winning games, I was like, hey, why not? Why not make the playoffs? Because you might get to play an NFC East team and win a playoff game. But that's not going to happen. Christian McCaffrey's injury prone now, honestly. Teddy Bridgewater got hurt last week. He's going to play this week, I'm sure. But I just it, – it's done. I think the goal is to have a higher draft pick than the Atlanta Falcons. You're going to like my – or actually, you might hate my pick. I'm picking Carolina to win. I, I see it. I mean, the Lions are... Yeah. The, I don't know. I just see y'all being just a slight bit more complete. Um, is CMC playing? He's not. Okay. Well, I might need to change my pick. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think the tanking is kind of what's been on their mind lately, and I think they might just have to commit to it. Because like you said, it's kind of been like, well, let's tank. Well, let's win a few games and maybe make a playoff push, and now it's let's tank again. So... I did pick Carolina, but I guess I'll flip to Detroit now that I know CMC's not playing. <laughs> it makes a difference. Pittsburgh Steelers, the only undefeated team in the NFL, traveling to Jacksonville. Does this smell how, like an upset? No, no, no. How much, do they, how much do the Steelers win by? Okay, I think the Steelers win, but I'm not saying it's not a trap really? game. Really? Well, dude, yeah. A terrible team in Jacksonville, 12 o'clock kickoff on Sunday. I think the Steelers win. Steelers win for sure. They, they stay. They do, ha- they do have the Ravens on Thanksgiving just four days after that. 
the spread is only 10 in favor of Pittsburgh. I say they they win this game, but it's going to be more so. It's not going to be the fact that their offense propels them to a victory. I think it's just going to be that their defense is just going to pummel the Jaguars' offense into the ground, and they're not going to be able to move the ball at all. I, I think I think it's fair to say it's, it's a bit of a trap game, and we might see what the Packers did against the Jaguars. Yeah, last Packers week, almost or, lost or, last week. Did. Early on, it, was, it didn't look good. But I still think that Pittsburgh is going to win, and they're going to cover the 10-point spread. So I... I don't see the Jaguars having a chance at keeping it close. I think maybe, like you said, early on, maybe, but I think the Steelers are pretty much locked in, and they're going to play week by week. So we both have Pittsburgh. We both have Pittsburgh going to 10-0. Moving on, Tennessee at Baltimore, a very highly anticipated matchup in the AFC. Baltimore will be hosting this game. I have Baltimore winning. I have the Titans. I think that Derrick Henry's going to run wild. I can see that. I think the only thing that I'm kind of, for some reason, just in the back of my head, I'm sitting there thinking, this is the week that Lamar has his breakout game for the season. Because last year, Lamar was way more consistent than he is this year. He's kind of struggled early on this year, but he has been getting better week by week. I think this is his chance to have a breakout game now. It's a tough defense to do it against. I think it happens at home. I think being at home helps. They do need to bounce back after that loss to New England. An ugly loss mentioning New England. They travel on the road, or ugly game, I should say. Traveling on the road to Houston. Uh, The Patriots... I can't seem to figure out anything about no. that this year. No, but give me Cam in this game. I think Cam oh, versus Deshaun Watson is going to be fun to watch. Agreed. I have Cam as well. I think Cam's kind of still pushing through that ceiling of trying to prove, prove that he's still an elite quarterback. Um, despite this not being a great team, I think if he has a great game this week, that could do it. Um, Houston's just not that great this year. So moving on. Miami traveling to Denver, a battle of young quarterbacks once again. Tua, who has not lost an NFL start, playing on the road against Drew Locke. That'll continue. I think that Tua Tungvalu is going to get another victory, and I think that they're going to try to expand his game a little bit. He hasn't really thrown the ball downfield much. I think that's going to change this week. Yeah, I agree. I think Tua gets another win. Dolphins have won five straight games in their last five. Um, their defense has stepped up too. Yes. Meanwhile, the Broncos have lost four or lost three of the last four. Excuse me, and barely beat the Chargers by one. So that could have easily been another loss as well. Um, I feel bad because I really do think Drew Locke has a lot of potential, but I don't think he's been able to showcase it this year. They need a lot of personnel changes, especially up front and in the backfield, I think. So, I like Miami. Give Miami on the road. Moving on. New York, like you just gave a a little insight earlier. Why do you think they beat Los Angeles on the road? Because it's the Chargers. They can't win a game. Okay. They can't win a game right now. You mentioned the Broncos. They they I thought you were going to say it's because Justin Herbert shaved his head. That would and loses his magic touch. That is a good reason. But I mean, the Broncos lost three of their last four in the one victory. It was against the Chargers by one. It's just because the Chargers cannot win. I think the Jets are looking for that victory. I mean, they almost got it against New England on Monday night. Nearly. I I think this. Is, I think they get it done this week. I just I'm not going to pick New York at all this year. I'm sorry. I Los I Angeles. Totally Los Angeles at home. They win this game. Uh, Justin Herbert does not lose his magic with his magical flow of hair being gone, but Los Angeles does this one at home, all kidding aside. Green Bay traveling on the road to a tough Indianapolis team who's just proven to be a thorn in the side of the rest of the NFL this year. And that's why I'm going to pick the Colts. Their defense is just so good, and it's going to be a close match. I think this is going to be one of the best games of the year, honestly. I think that it has the potential to be. uh, It's a cross-divisional matchup, but... I'm going to pick Green Bay. Uh, they've won their last two after an, uh, a disappointing loss, I should say, at home against Minnesota. Um, Indianapolis did upset, in my opinion, Tennessee last week. They kind of beat them down on the road, beat them by 17 points. 
I say they come back home and they're still riding that wave kind of. And I think Green Bay, despite being the best team in the NFC right now, they still have a little bit of a chip to prove that they are. And I think winning this game on the road can do that. Okay. Kansas City at Las Vegas. We're not going to talk about Dallas and Minnesota. It's a very ugly yeah, matchup. Yeah, Vikings win. <laughs> Agreed. Kansas City at Las Vegas. A AFC matchup. I believe they played earlier this they year. They did, and the Raiders won. It's yes. the one loss for the Chiefs. Yes. So, this game is in Las Vegas. Do the Chiefs get revenge? They do. And I, I, I do think that this is going to be a Patrick Mahomes game. So, uh, going back to the Colts Packers, I think it's going to be a down game for Rodgers. Russell Wilson, MVP candidate, has had his down weeks. I think it's going to be another down week, and that's more credit to the Colts defense than anything else. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to kind of take his lead. He's going to take a stranglehold of this MVP race, but I don't know how long it's going to last. I think he might have a few down weeks. So I think this week is going to be a good one for him and getting revenge. I think Kansas City wins this game. They're 8-1. They haven't lost a game on the road yet this year. Not to say they won't struggle. They struggled last week against a Carolina team at home. Um, I say they win this one on the road, and it's going to be an offensive shootout. I think John Gruden against Andy Reid, that just sets up for some great schematical schemes that they'll have going on. Um, But I think Kansas City has the edge in that game. And then finally, last game on the docket, the Rams, who I think they're proving to not be frauds like we've been thinking they are, travel on the road to Tampa Bay. If they win, are they truly not frauds? If they win, they're not frauds. But they're still frauds to me. Okay. Buccaneers by a touchdown. Now, say Buccaneers by two touchdowns. The only reason I say that is because they did beat Seattle last week in a But that was game. last week. Seattle's on an absolute plummet right now. Yeah. And that's why I think they're going to beat the Cardinals because I think they really need the victory. And I think they're a much better team than they've shown in the last two weeks. Give me the Bucks by 14. I picked the Bucks as well. I still think the Rams are frauds. If they do win this game, though, I I promise on this show I will not call them frauds. I'll say well, I mean, next time we we have a show, it could be the playoff, playoff time. Yes. So we'll, we'll we'll see how that works out. Well, we've covered it all. Sad we didn't have a live show today, but it's been a crazy and fun semester doing this show once again. We look forward to seeing everybody in 2021. You can always listen to this podcast again in the replays of our other ones on all of your podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple, and iTunes. Wherever you may find podcasts, we're there with all of our replays. And it's been fun. As for Jacob Hillman, I'm Bay Mark saying so long and see you in 2021. This has been The Scoreboard on 91.1 FM WEGL with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL. E-G-L underscore A-U.